Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. As soon as the ideas come, it's there, it's in the mind, and then it slips away and dissipates. And all I see is like some shadow of it off in the distance, and I can't get to what it was. Whereas now, I can capture it, and I can do the meat of the work. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Balancing Acts. In this conversation, I talk to comedian Joe Hobbs. Perfect. Hi, this is Steve Whiteley, comedian, actor, filmmaker and writer, all-round ADHD creative. And welcome to my new podcast, Balancing Acts, where I talk to an array of creatives ranging from comedians, actors, directors, all sorts. And we talk about how they find a sense of balance or not between their creative lives and their everyday lives and how that has an impact on their mental health and beyond. Balancing Acts is made in association with the comedy crowd who support independent comedy creators. They showcase the best new videos on ComedyCrowdTV.com and across media platforms. They support independent comedy creators and showcase the best new videos, including adult animation, sketch shows, web series, viral hits, and lots more. So if you're a creator, then do check them out. Joe has been nominated for the BBC New Comedy Award in both 2018 and 2019, and he was listed on the BBC's Top Jokes of the Fringe 2019. He was also selected for Leicester Comedy Festival Circuit Breakers 2019, and this is a mouthful, a Moosed Muse National New Comic Award Breakthrough Comedian winner 2018. Love chewing the fat with Joe. He is a fellow ADHDer, which will soon become apparent in this conversation. And we covered a lot of ground. We did talk about our ADHD and we dwelled quite deep into that. We kick things off talking about our hoarding tendencies and why clear outs are oh so cleansing. Joe uh, describes his journey from growing up on a council estate in Northampton to becoming a stand-up comedian in London. He talks about his time living in South Korea for two years and the liberating feeling of starting again when nobody knows who you are. He also explains the superiority complex that expats seem to get and discusses his strategy of flirting with men who pick fights with him due to his six foot eight stature. We discuss what's the one thing we'd both do if we were kids again. Joe talks about his struggles with being ADHD uh, up until he was diagnosed at the age of 28 and describes the positive impact that meditation and taking medication has had on him. And we also discuss why ADHD is not treated as a serious disorder. 
in our society. Joe also talks about how medication affects him when he's on, performing on stage, doing stand-up, and how he's kind of filled a hole. So he, he feels like he doesn't need to do stand-up anymore. Uh, he, he wants to do it instead. Does that make sense? So basically saying is, you know, he's got more of a healthy relationship with stand-up. He talks about why he feels less inclined to experiment and take risks on stage at this point in his career and loads, loads more. This was a really fun conversation. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So over, oh yeah, as always, please, uh, another reminder, do rate and review the podcast if you like it, subscribe to us, share it with your friends, all that jazz. Okay, over to Joe. We are good to go. Joe Hobbs, welcome. You are the first guest since the outbreak of the pandemic to be here in in my flat. So we're doing a face-to-face podcast up till now since uh, the outbreak of COVID has been all Zoom-based. So you're a brave man. Very honoured. To be here. Yeah, it's lovely to be here. It's a beautiful room full of stuff. Yeah, we were talking about this before. There's a lot of stuff here to keep you interested. I mean, if you get bored during the conversation, you can just look around you. <laughs> I've, I've already scanned the room like three times, and I think I, I, I know all the stuff now. The yeah. next step for me is looking in your drawers. Yeah, okay. Are you going to do that when I have a toilet break, or just regardless of whether I'm in the room or not? It depends how the chat's going, I guess. Yeah. Um, if, we, if it stays fun... <laughs> I'll stay with it. If not, I might rifle through your drawers, see what I can find. Okay. What would I find in there? Uh, you'd find, well, this is actually going to be rele- uh, very relevant to uh, what I think we're going to be talking about. Dildos. You're gonna find, dildos, yeah, lots of dildos. You're going to find stuff that I should throw away, but I'm not quite ready to throw away. So I just stuff them into a drawer, just hoarding. And I feel that is a quite a ADHD tendency mm. where where you procrastinate you're not quite ready to let this thing go so you just you know just in case for whatever reason i'm gonna need my iphone 3 yeah from 15 years ago i'm just gonna keep it in that drawer yeah there's always a disconnect it, in yeah. your brain right like that you think to yourself there might be a project i work on in like three years time where i need an iphone 3 for like part of this video i'm making so i'll keep that just in case but it's but, well, this is how I do it. And I have ADHD too, by the way, listeners. Uh, and <laughs> I can't throw shit away because I don't realise that if I need that thing, I can just get it again. I can just save the space, throw it away now. Yeah. If I need it, which is like a 1% chance, I just buy it again. An iPhone 3 in a couple of years is going to be, what, a tenner off eBay? Probably is now. Yeah. But Probably instead now, you keep it. it. So just keep it. There's, there's, and there's no sentimental, there's no sentimentality behind it. I haven't got any texts from former girlfriends in there and anything that I'm just sort of keeping just to look at a lonely night. Yeah. It's just, it's just an iPhone three, and it's just purely procrastination. But I do think um, it is good to try and simplify things, isn't it? And not have so much stuff. Yeah, totally. I, uh, I actually did a proper clear out of my room recently. I didn't throw everything away. Um, but it was actually just a lockdown project. I needed something to do. Yeah. Uh, I have a very busy mind. I need, I need to be doing something because all the comedy stopped. Yeah. Couldn't gig. Um, what I found to do was go through my room and eBay everything. So at one point I had like 50 packages of stuff just sitting there and I was going to the post office every day and I probably made about 
75 quid off this stuff is so not worth the time. No, but it's quite fulfilling. But now I do feel slightly better now there's less shit. Yeah, for sure. And now, like, iPhone 3 and below is gone. Yeah. iPhone 4 and above still have. Still there. That's, yeah, well, that's, baby the, line. Steps, that's the line. It? It's baby steps, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's baby steps, yeah. So where to kick things off I feel like we started on the ADHD thing so I wonder if we should we haven't inter- you haven't you barely introduced me or, or what we're talking about and this is what we, we met in the pub last week yeah to have a, like a pre-chat and the same thing happened right yeah we were, I brought, one. We, were try, we were trying to work on this project together and I had like a two page document to go through ideas and I got to about the second line and an hour and a half had gone it was like <laughs> gotta go now <laughs> see you later mate well, look, I will tell you this, that I do a very professional separate introduction. Okay. So you're going to be, you're bigged up with uh, all your, your comedy credentials. Mm-hmm. So by the time people listen to this, they will already have an idea of Joe Hobbs' professional career. Uh, but as, as a person, who are you, Joe? <laughs> Is that an actual question? <laughs> have you got that written down? Yeah, I basically I, I, have a, I have a list of questions I ask every guest. Yeah, that that one's there. And the first one is who are you? who, who are you? <laughs> I'm gonna go no, I don't. I don't have any questions. I don't have any questions. Whatever pops into my head, really. Right. And the first one, who are what makes me tick? Yeah. Okay. Let's 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 go back a little bit. Let's let's go back to give it some structure. To give this conversation some structure, I'm gonna rein it in. You you grew up in Northampton. Yeah. Good research. Yeah. Yeah, did my research there. And you are now a stand-up comedian. How did Joe go from Northampton to ending up in London as a stand-up comedian? Okay, so I'll try and keep the journey basic. So, uh, yeah, I I went to school in Wellingborough in the neighbouring town, shit school. Grew up on uh, several different council estates with my mum. But it was a nice upbringing, like... my 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 mum and my nan who raised me were incredible incredible women, mm-hmm. proper strong. They devoted their lives at that time to like making sure I had a good start. Um, possibly a touch overbearing at times, uh, which means in later life I've had to do some work to realise that I don't deserve everything that I want. Right. Um, but everybody has their their things they have to work through from childhood. So I was just. I had ADHD as a kid. I wasn't diagnosed as an adult. So in Northampton, like, it's such a mad upbringing. And I just, I wanted to do everything, but also nothing. Um, it, was, it was a strange, strange time. But what I realized from growing up there is that I just wanted to get away from there as far as possible. Okay. Afterwards, went to uni in Reading for a few years, just did a lot of drugs and didn't really focus. Then after that, I went to on a whim to South Korea to teach English. Did that for two years. You lived in South Korea for two years? Yeah. What was that experience like? Uh, it was incredible, man. I, I think the first three months there was probably one of the top periods of my life. Really? Because I found that uh, it was such a beautiful feeling not knowing a language, not knowing what's going on, yeah. not knowing what people are saying, right. not even knowing I, what... I didn't know anything. Yeah. Uh, back to basics. Back to basics. Like, if I wanted to find a gym, it was like a little mission. Right, yeah, That's yeah, yeah. It. Back to basics. There was almost like a strange kind of... 
uh, rewilding. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because my daily mission was doing things that in England would have been easy. But there I had no idea. Um, and it was just so, so good to live in that bubble for a while. Yeah. And also to kind of release the shackles of the life you've built back home. Mm. Because I found I was about 22 at the time. And I found that I'd become a person that I didn't really like mm -hmm. in the UK. Um, and it felt very difficult to break the mold. Whereas when I went there, I was, in, I was allowed to be a new person. You start again. Whoever I want. No one knows who I am. Yeah. No one cares about me. No one has their ideas about who I am. And I kind of, I, I, I left that behind as well. Yeah, yeah. So it was fucking great. It's for quite about, through, for about three months. Quite a liberating feeling. Really liberating. Um, <laughs> and by the way, I'm six foot nine, uh, and <laughs> I <laughs> I thought I got quite a lot of comments in England about it. You know, it's every maybe a couple of days a week, people would be like, "Oh, but you're so tall, mate." <laughs> uh, but there, it was every time I went out. Now, here's the thing. Um, I'd grown really sick of it here. Did you used to get here? I, I've heard this is a, a common thing that can happen with people who are very you know, tall and big, mm. that um, men want to start fights with them. Yeah. I've <laughs> yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To like, whatever it is to prove their masculinity or they feel threatened yeah, by you them. You go for the biggest one. You right? go for the biggest dude. Yeah. And I always kind of fought back with flirtation. Um, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, if, if someone tried to start something in a club, they might... It happened all the time. People come up, like, and, and, and be like, mate, you're so big. wouldn't want to fight you whilst looking like they really want to fight me. Right. Um, it is a masculinity thing, for sure. So I would just do something like, say, you've got some beautiful calves on you there, mate. <laughs> and then they just don't know what to do. And they're just like, what? Oh. Oh my god, <laughs> you've completely broken my impression of what a man is supposed to be. <laughs> uh, so that's been really fun, yeah. Um, I've, I've I've gotten a few fights because of it, um, but <laughs> it's usually um, my fault when it's actually turned into a fight. Right. Um, I don't know about you, but when when I didn't know I had ADHD, I would have two modes. One would be. Uh, kind of dazed, placid, unable to communicate well. The other would be the complete opposite, like really tuned into my environment, but really hyper. Mm. So kind of that can be a bit antagonistic, I think. And when you pair that with getting pissed on a night out, uh, could easily take that whole flirtation thing too far and maybe do that to people who who didn't even want to start a fight or start anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just for being hyper and just for wanting to ha kind of have an impact on the environment around me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I have no idea where, how we got to this. From where were we? I was in Korea. I was you were in Korea and you were having people coming up to you more than they were in England, yeah. commenting on your height. Yeah, so in Korea is where I learned to accept it, I think. Right. Um, here I'd grown to hate it and I didn't, there were times when I didn't really know what to say. Yeah. But when I went to Korea, it kind of, I don't know, it just seemed funnier in a way. Yeah. Because not only was I uh, a foreigner as well, because uh, 
there you know there there aren't many uh living especially in the city i was in daegu um so they were staring at me for that and then also it's just like the kid as a teacher the kids used to call me a a giant teacher um and double man double (laughs) double man it's a great name for uh, like a marvel comic superhero double man he's just really tall yeah double man and he starts fights on nights out with people (laughs) yeah using sort of like his 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 skills are his superhero powers are sort of flirtatious skills (laughs) That turn that can he, he weaponizes Ooh. against uh, threatening men, and fighting masculinity. Yeah, <laughs> toxic masculinity. Nice, one day at time. beautiful calves. <laughs> and in his in in his private life, he uses his powers of height to like pick the highest berries, <laughs> make nice desserts. <laughs> you know those trump cards you get when you're a kid. Yeah, you know that double man like <laughs> in his superpowers picks berries from trees. <laughs> Helping old ladies get cereal down. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice, a nice thing to do. To have a nice impact on the world. Yeah. Yeah. I think that experience in Korea, that taught me that it is kind of funny because, like, it is a ridiculous height to be. Yeah. And um, I think what it taught me is that um, for lots of people, I am the first person they've seen this year this tall. Right. So it's not easy not to remark. Yeah. So whereas before I'd be like, Fuck off! Shut up! Yeah. Now it's kind of like I'm taking my stride a bit more. Be yeah. Like, well, yeah. This is a weird thing to be. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not. The thing is, like, when you think about it, it's not weird, is it? Like, we're human beings. We come like in all these different shapes and sizes. People like billions of people watch the NBA, where there's like regularly people over seven foot. Yeah, yeah. It's, like it's it exists. Andre the Giant. You remember that WWF wrestler or WWE? Yeah. Sorry. You know, like we're aware of all these things so it's like it's so bizarre it's yeah. almost like people turn into a kid kids have no filters yeah if they see something like slightly odd or even not even odd kids will just stare at you yeah it's like they see someone tall they just yeah. stare they just turn into children yeah i was in the park the other day and there was a kid running around with his mum, and uh <laughs> the kid was just like rubbing the mother's belly going Fat tummy. <laughs> Fat tummy. <laughs> oh, to be a kid. Yeah. Get away with so much. Yeah. What, 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 if you was a kid now, what would be the first thing you do? Oh, there is a question. I think, you know what? Like, I would probably just, like, pig out on, on, on food. Like, go and eat pancakes. Because yeah. I've become so much more aware i'll say aware but i could go so far as say neurotic about what i eat you know i've got i've got quite a healthy diet mm. and if i do indulge in something really sweet i feel quite guilty about it afterwards yeah. you have no guilt when you're a kid about any of that sort of stuff yeah so i would go i specifically remember going on a family holiday when we were young we went to san francisco and i remember going into one of those cafes where they just serve you endless amount of pancakes just you know squirt the whipped cream on top yeah one after the other it was the best it was literally one of the best moments of my young life yeah so i would relive something like that in just with the the, the complete ignorance and just glee having no idea what it's doing to my health and it doesn't matter at that age really anyway i mean as long as you're not doing it all the time (laughs) and you can probably extend that mindset to do other things yeah in this day as a child so what you're kind of saying is you want the lack of knowledge of of or the lack of guilt that you're not looking after yourself. It's almost like the innocence that you are yes. mortal. 
Yeah, that's definitely that. And just the ability to indulge without then thinking... um, Without thinking, fuck, I haven't done that work. Exactly, the guilt that comes with all of that. Shit, you remember when you were a kid in the summer holiday, six weeks long, it lasts for like five years. Yeah. And all you do, I don't know... Just playing. Just going making stuff out of sticks. Yeah, you're not thinking, oh shit, I've been on holiday for five weeks. When I get back, I've got to work really hard. Yeah. Got to do my homework. Fuck that. Yeah, you're just thinking like, "Fuck, I'd never want this to end." Is the best feeling ever. Yeah. What, then, would, what would you do? As a kid. Yeah. If I was a kid, um, one of my—I <laughs> wouldn't say it's one of my best memories, but one of my much reminded memories by members of my family of me being a kid is when I was five years old at a wedding, and um, I was laying on the floor pretending to sleep, and then my mum was like, "What were you doing?" And I was like looking at the skirts <laughs> so I wouldn't do that um, but something in that spirit I might like I don't know I might be a five-year-old boy and just like um, just walk around naked yeah that, that's another thing isn't just it just walk around with my abandon. yeah just you can just do that it's Without, not a thing just my my hairless butt just glistening in it? the sun it's, it's like in society that's completely normalised for a kid to walk around naked what is the age? What's the exact age where it goes from being normal to weird? It's as soon as you become a teenager, isn't it? And you start developing... It's probably the pubes. It's the pubes. But, but, but how many all... pubes? If you've got one, I think it's... No one's going to notice one, are they? You just keep plucking them out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if <laughs> Do you, you think if we just shaved ourselves hairless... Giant babies. Head to toe. Big hairless babies. And we went out in Stoke Newington right now on the street walking around. A six foot nine hairless baby. Yeah. <laughs> naked. Glistening. Or um, if would we, I get in trouble? Well, let's, I mean, would you think you're more likely to get in trouble here or in South Korea? Doing it? Definitely Korea. Korea, yeah, they, they lock you up. A lot more they? conservative. They lock you up. Yeah. Um, I think, well, in Korea, there's, they're not allowed, like the women is very much frowned upon to show any cleavage. Yeah. So they compensate by wearing incredibly short skirts. Right. Which to me is... That's bizarre. It's, it's a similar thing. Yeah. It's like, I don't know why one is acceptable and the other isn't. Because so I love both. Uh, <laughs> I sound like such a pervert already on this podcast. I love going to weddings and staring yeah, at women's skirts. If I could do anything again, I'd stare at women's skirts. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, women aren't allowed to smoke on the street as well either, but men are. That's like, I found all that very jarring. And as if they're like 20, 30 years, well, Probably even more behind. That yeah. What made you come back then? After going there for two years, having wanting to escape, what made you decide to come back? Um, I came back because I think, well, I didn't want to be a teacher. Right. I couldn't really get another job. That was a stopgap for you more than anything it, else. It was, it was just like having absolutely no idea what I want to do in sure. my life. Yeah. Um, and just do it. Yeah, it was fun. I came back out of that sense of responsibility. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I need to be you'd doing had your something huge, more worthwhile. Yeah, you'd had your massive summer holiday and then you felt the guilt. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've got to get back. Yeah. And also, uh, I have to say, a lot of the uh, expats that do stay in places like Daegu for a long time, there are quite a few of them I met. They're weird, man. Like, they, they, they go a bit weird. In what way? Um, I think... You can never truly ingratiate into a place like that. No. Um, I mean, you can. I have friends there who are married with kids, but 
Uh, so friends that you met out there, they stayed out there and they married. Yeah, kids. yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. people are still there. Yeah, and I mean they're perfectly happy, but uh, it's right now. It's just not the sort of place where, as an expat, you can feel truly part of the community. I think sure. because you'll always be seen with this sense of wonder, which I think does something to does something to you because the people who have been, that I met have been there for 10, 20 years. Um, they just had an energy of someone I've never known before. Um, mm. And <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but well, it was it's... just something that I, <laughs> I wasn't into. Do you know, I don't know if it's if, if it is similar to this, but uh, in in the US, it's, I mean, it's, I don't know if it is so much now and probably is in certain places, but the English accent is like, it's so well regarded. Yeah. And you always like walk around. I remember like going to a club and I'm talking to like girls and they're like, oh my God, you're English? Yeah. And yeah. You're, you're sort of like put on this pedestal. Is it that kind of yeah. treatment where you're put on a pedestal because you're foreign or you look different yeah yeah Yeah. totally and so like that can go to someone's head and they sort of like become a a bit egotistical like mate you're no different from anybody else (laughs) you're just in a place where you look different yeah but now suddenly you think oh i'm like i'm the guy totally happens and there's a well-known phenomenon discussed in in the expat community that lived there that suddenly these like people who have never got any attention in their life they go there right. and then it's like all the girls want to date them or all the boys want to date them. And uh, yeah, it goes to your head. But then when you return, it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> okay, so fine. All right, so we've got a thread now. So you then came back and then needing like, that oh, attention fuck. again. You're like, I need that attention again. So you decide to become a comedian. Well, no, nah, actually, after... Damn, you ruined my theory, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We need to dig deeper. Yeah. There's more to it. All right. Um, I went to Amsterdam for a year after that. Oh, okay. Um, I was dating a Korean girl, actually. We went to Amsterdam together to live there. Yeah. Because we also didn't know what we wanted to do and we were bored. Yeah. Um, worked there for a year, then came back to London. Well, what, what work did you do there as a teacher as well? No, I was uh, uh, sales for Smith. booking.com. Okay. <sighs> God, such a boring job, mate. Yeah, 50 phone calls a day. Fucking boring. Trying to get people to sign up to this business thing yeah fuck oh you smoke weed out there uh yeah a bit i smoked way more when i was younger like in amsterdam i was kind of over it because it just started giving me mad anxiety every time yeah um but i tell you what i used to do in that job is if you have to do 50 calls a day so uh after a few days i figured out that um if i dial a number and immediately hang up it's logged on the phone as a call has been made. Right, yeah. It so doesn't it have a duration. It doesn't log the duration of the yeah, call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if anyone goes through the calls, they can see. Oh, I've done this yeah. So I used to do like three or four calls in the morning yeah. when the boss was about. And then as soon as the boss went off to a meeting, I'd be like, just tapping in the numbers, yeah. ring it for a second, hang it up. Just do that until yeah. I get to like, well, I used to overshoot the 50, get to about 80. And then just chill. And then he would, the, every day the boss would get up and give a talk to the rest of the team. He's like, guys, Joe is a prime example of someone here who is uh, very diligent. He's not, he's not just hitting his daily target, he's hitting 80 a day. Everyone else is like, oh, fuck you, Joe. Yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> I, I say that because I had the same thing. 
I had a sales, I did a sales call drum and I did something similar yeah. and some, and the boss got up and he made like this embarrassing speech like about how I was like calling more than everybody else. But the, the thing is, I wasn't making more sales than everybody else. I was just calling more people. So actually I was costing them more money, Yeah, you know, phone bills. I think the ADXD brain is incredible at learning how to make... I thought you were just going to stop there. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Yeah. Uh, incredible at... Uh, learning how to make good impressions um, on people. Yeah, yeah. And Why do you think that is? Whilst not actually doing anything of substance. <laughs> so, so basically, just sort of like quite fraud, fraudulent. Yeah. Uh, but actually, very lazy. Yeah. Well, it's I don't, it's not even lazy, is it? Uh, it's just an inability. It's a lack of dopamine. Yeah. Um, in the neocortex oh someone's done some research <laughs> big man are you <laughs> science boy <laughs> oh it's double science boy <laughs> um, so yeah I've, for my whole life until I uh, got medication and I'm able to focus properly now um, every single day would be a struggle of like trying so hard but not being able to focus, not mm. being able to do the work that's required of me. Was However, this during South Korea or post or just oh, constant? From from age like three right. to 28. Okay, yeah, it was a constant um, thing. But somehow figuring out ways to look as if I'm doing a great job. So okay, whether yeah. that's like nailing a presentation yeah. or doing this stupid thing with a phone, yeah. uh, just being good at talking about what I intend to do, yeah, but yeah. not actually doing it. Yeah. Um, so I think... And I said this uh, uh, to my therapist uh, quite recently, actually. I said, um, I, I've always been good at making a good impression of showing people that I'm doing a good job when actually I'm doing nothing. <laughs> and he was like, well, it sounds stressful. It sounds like you're kind of putting on a show every day. I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he said, uh, <laughs> he said did, you, uh, did you do that when we first met? Did you try to make a good impression on me? And I said... You've got, yeah, you're right. You've got lovely calves. <laughs> now stand up. I'm going to get, get on the floor. See, yes, I see you. I'm scared. Um, no, he said, uh, did, you, did you try and do this, make an impression on me? And I said, no, because you don't pay me and I'm not trying to sleep with you. As what in like, I'm, I don't need, I didn't feel the need to do it to you. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, and he just went, off he got obsessed with the second part of that and he was like do you think i have feelings for you and i was like no all i'm trying to say is like i didn't need to impress you because um i don't fancy you and this is not a romantic thing and you're not going to pay me money you're not my boss and he was like really fixated on it he was like because if you think i've got feelings for you then maybe it's something we should uh we should talk about a bit more and i was like no, mate. Uh, just listen to what I'm saying. It's because this isn't a romantic arrangement. It's not all about you, mate. I didn't feel the need to present myself in a in a way that I feel is better than I actually am. Yeah. And he was just kept got pushing on it. He was like, "Because was we it? should talk about this. We really should." And I was like, "What's going on in your mind?" Um, <laughs> the thing to remember is that all therapists have therapists. They've got yeah. their own shit going on. A lot of therapists are drawn to therapy because they have had their own issues mm. and so then they become interested in in the mind and psychology yeah. sometimes we can look at therapists and just like i don't know like consistent beings who understand uh the dimensions of psychology and they've got everything worked out mm. and they fuck yeah 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 totally 
Um, yeah, man, we stayed on that for about 20 minutes. And Him just asking that over and again. We but, should talk about this. But then the follow-up questions like, and how are you feeling right now? How does the talking about this make you feel? And yeah. I'm like, it makes me feel really weird and nervous because it wasn't a thing, but now it's now made, made it into a thing. A thing. Yeah. And he's like, mm, so you're feeling nervous about it. Oh, was, it was really hard to get out of. Did you stay with the therapist? He's brilliant, man. <laughs> he is a brilliant therapist. I stayed with him. We've been married for three years. <laughs> um, no, yeah, he's an excellent, excellent therapist. Best I've ever had. Okay. <laughs> but, so I'm go- All right, so I'm going to rein this in. So... Uh, we're on the topic of ADHD, but what we haven't got to yet is the journey from returning to South Korea to, Korea, to then getting into stand-up comedy. Um, after Amsterdam, sorry, you did Amsterdam. After Amsterdam. Yeah. Came to London, got a job, which I'm still working at, day okay. job. Yeah. Um, Do you then, enjoy that? Or was that just to pay the bills? Uh, I love it. Yeah. Okay, great. I do. I love That's it. That's fantastic. Um, and it also pays the bill. So okay. it's, it's, I feel really lucky. What, what is that? Um, marketing. Marketing, okay. I basically run Facebook ads. Okay. All day. Oh, I might um, need to ask you about some of those. Yeah, sure, man. I'm, re- I'm really interested in sort of promoting some hate speech, and I just want to get some of those out <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's hard to get around the, the, the algorithm with the hate speech. Ah, um, really? <laughs> it's not really my niche. <laughs> um, so what I like about the job is it, uh, <clears throat> it's a lot about psychology. Uh, it's a lot about figuring out what makes people want to buy shit. Um, yeah. Okay. So it's very stimulating in that respect. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I was, I was doing this for two years before I started stand up. I started stand up like three years ago. And what was it? What was it that made you start it? Boredom, boredom, restlessness, this like inability to stay still. Like, yeah. There's been so many endeavors, creative endeavors, like writing, painting. And has it always drawing. been a case of with these endeavors? You start them and you do something, there's a bit of activity and then you drop them and move on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because totally. it's a typical ADHD trait. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for those, sorry, for those that don't uh, know what ADHD is, I mean, I'm assuming that everyone does, but it stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder. And it basically means that like, whereas most people get a level of dopamine hit in the, in the neocortex, the front area of their brain, Ooh, people with it, I've been reading his books. I'm literally, I've got Google in front of me. <laughs> it basically means that people with ADHD don't. And, uh, it, and that causes them to basically lack focus and attention, uh, get hyperactive. And it has a load of other annoying traits with it as well. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. So that's my uh, ADHD monologue over. Cool. Perfect. Hello, sorry to interrupt in the middle of this insightful conversation, which I'm enjoying, I'm sure, just as much as you are. But I need to give you guys a little reminder. Uh, If you like this conversation, this episode, if you like balancing acts in general, then please do subscribe to us, rate and review us because it makes the world of difference. And the more reviews we get, the more rates we get, the more people can discover the podcast and we can make it go viral, whatever that means. Okay, back to the chat. I think uh, for me, the biggest thing with it has been over the years, the emotional part, the emotional dysregulation. Man. Yeah. How has it affected you in that respect? Well, that's something I've, I, I think people have a basic understanding of what ADHD is. Yeah. And it's often like it's naughty kids uh, running around uh, being naughty. Mm-hmm. Um, but the emotional stuff, like I had a tricky childhood mm. because 
it was undiagnosed. I got diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and like school phobia and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I'm pretty certain now that those were just almost not, they were knock-on effects um, with the root cause being ADHD. But then to go back even further, that book that I lent you, this book by a, a very sort of he's becoming more and more well known now, Gab, Gabor Mate, a physician who was also yeah. diagnosed with ADHD in his I think fifties. His uh, theory is that usually people with ADHD come from, they have some traumatic experience and that trauma is what developed, is where the ADHD yeah. develops from. Yeah, so um, I think similar and probably the same as that theory is what I was telling you about the other day, so the, new, the new way of thinking about what ADHD is, is that it's, uh, <clears throat> if, if the mother has a stressful pregnancy, um, then cortisol levels rise and kind of uh, are in, in, taken in by the, the gestating fetus. And then it's kind of arrives in the world ready for stress. Um, I think the theory is like you, it used to be an evolutionary advantage because uh, as during the pregnancy, there'd be danger everywhere. And so the child would come out with a, uh, a wandering mind so it's more inclined to look around which like now means that if if a kid is in a classroom and they have ADHD um, they might be looking out the window rather than focus on the work in front of them mm. and that's just an evolutionary trait that doesn't fit the world anymore because mm -hmm. before that would mean that they're looking out for danger or they're seeing like fruit off in the distance mm -hmm. uh, it's good for foraging um, but now <laughs> It, we don't fit the world anymore. The world is not fit for us. And that's why, like, medication has helped me fit this world. But if the world was different, I wouldn't need it. I wouldn't take it because I'm quite happy with the way I am. It just if we were back, if, if we were back to running around naked outside... We'd be fucking great. We'd be fine. Yeah. We'd be fine. So how did you arrive at the point where you got diagnosed with ADHD? Um, I think I was 20... Seven or twenty-eight. I'm thirty now, um, and I just had a breakdown, mate. Like proper. I got diagnosed with depression again. Um, I we got signed off work for for a month because I was just so frustrated every day. And as as I got more responsibilities in my day job, and as I started stand up as well, and was t more tired all the time because that is demanding. I just couldn't focus at all. And it was driving me crazy. So one day I just like, my mind was just like, no, you can't do this anymore. Um, and it was during the time I was signed off, um, I started doing research. And I found like, fuck me, all these descriptors, every single bullet point on this like 15 page list. Such as what? Um, well, the, the common things like, um, Unable to focus, mm -hmm. distractibility, um, hyperactivity, um, uh, taking on lots of projects and not being able to follow them up, mm -hmm. um, rejection sensitivity, um, being very tall, being very tall, yeah, <laughs> um, seeking out uh, what drugs, uh, seeking to, out to, to sort of numb whatever the emotional impact has been from yeah. having to deal with all these things, you then turn to drugs and alcohol as, as a way to numb what you're, the experiences you're going through. Yeah, totally. Just to 
I think when I was doing a lot of drugs, it was at uni, like for three three years. Smoke weed every day. Do ecstasy. Smoke most weed weekends. every day. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, that kind of I don't. Yeah, it was an escape. Hmm. It was an escape from the the like the totally restless mind. Of course, yeah. Um, That's the same thing. Uh, yeah. What else? Um, like seeking. Um, like what was it? risky behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, being being impulsive. Being impulsive. Yeah. yeah. Um, God, we're a real treat, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> fucking nightmares to deal with, I tell you. Like, do, but I think we both do a lot of work on ourselves now, isn't it? Like, yeah. you've meditated every day for six years. Yeah, probably longer than that, yeah. Incredible work, man. Thank you. Um, I've started meditating again. Yeah, you said you're doing it twice a day. It's amazing. Twice a day for the past week. Yeah. Yeah. Feel. Uh, you, can you notice a difference in that week? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel uh, more, I have a split second before I act. Yeah. Whereas before I don't, I, I didn't. Um, Gives you time, like pause to reflect before you actually say something or do, do something, something impulsive. Or react emotionally. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I take uh, medication, methylphenidate, which is Ritalin yeah. daily. You mm. ten, and you take that how many times a day? Four. Four times a day. Yeah. Is that four, like, full? pills a day for- so in the morning okay so i don't always take four a day okay the, the way it works for me is i have a, a morning dose which is like a long release which lasts for about six to eight hours okay uh and then i have some instant release that i use later for the day so about three o'clock i need an instant release i take that okay. last about three hours yeah uh, if if i'm if then i want to relax after six o'clock then i'll just I leave it okay. and, I, and I so you back it, to regular me to regular Joe. So are we on Ritalin or regular Joe now? Uh, Ritalin. We're Ritalin Joe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's I, if I came here unmedicated and tried to do this, yeah, I would not be able to follow a train of thought at all. Really? I know the way we're talking now. It's, yeah. it probably sounds insane. To I, other I don't. Think, I don't think it does because because it's a conversation. There's quite a few tangents. Yeah, but yeah. All right. If not, I would be searching for words okay uh <clears throat> unless you caught me at a hyperactive moment which is probably about 20 30 percent of the time but yeah. usually like i'm primarily inattentive that's my diagnosis which mm. means um I, f- I just i can't stay tuned into the environment right i remember so, doing a podcast with a mate before before i was medicated and just being there like what is going on i just right. can't keep up how is your brain working that fast and okay. i just get asked the question i'd be like what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, in that respect, then, would you say that taking Ritalin has been life changing for you? Oh yeah, totally. Right. It's made life so much easier, man. Mm. So much. Like the biggest impact has been on uh, my relationships. Okay. I have stronger relationships now, and that's something I didn't expect. Right. I didn't realize how neglectful I'd been of okay. the relationships in my life with my family, with my partner, with my friends. Now I'm inclined to ask them questions. Was before I never did. Right. I was walking around just like thinking that being there is having a relationship, uh-huh. just being present. Yeah. But I wasn't even present because I might have been there physically, but my mind was elsewhere. It was like fucking playing Mario Kart or something. Yeah. So, but now I actually I feel this. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. I understand why people like socialising. 
Right. What the hell, man? I hadn't had that for such a long time. Yeah. And now, when I chat to my mum on the phone, we have a chat for like an hour and a half. Yeah. Whereas before, she'd just be asking me questions and I'd be a one-word answer guy. Right. 15 minutes, I'm gone. And what about... What what a fucking arsehole. Yeah. And And what about the idea then of you previously starting things and not finishing them? you find that you you're much more able to focus on things and see them through yeah still still hard yeah it's still hard but um but also the thing is the one thing i would say with adhd is that you can sort of say everything is about you know it's because i'm adhd mm-hmm. but also on top of being adhd and this probably applies to most people with adhd is that you're a very creative person mm-hmm. and people who are creative in general do tend to sort of like jump around and that's part of the battle of being creative yeah. You know, aside from ADHD, that is just someone with a creative brain. I think it's an essential part of the process to to want to explore new projects because you might find something in Project C that influences Project A. Yeah, totally. But it is it is an interesting talking point, man, because uh, uh, a lot of people... I, what really frustrates me sometimes, if I try to explain, I'm sorry this thing happened, like, I'm sorry I'm late or whatever, mm. uh, I have ADHD, a lot of people would be like, so do I. <laughs> Yeah. I always wake up late. Yeah. And it's like, fair play, you might, and it might be undiagnosed. But uh, I think there is a line where it crosses over from um, the natural human tendency to sometimes be late, to sometimes lose interest in projects, mm-hmm. uh, to sometimes be distractible, to the line is when it affects your life every single day yeah. since you were a nipper. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> that's. But it's difficult to express that to people because everyone experiences these things. Yeah. I think. But I think well, that also touches upon an interesting point that, um, you know, t- t- to this day, ADHD is not really looked upon or considered as a serious um, ailment. I don't know if that's the right word, you know, disability. I don't know if you can even use the word oh. disability, but even me disorder. trying to search for the word disorder. Disorder is exactly the right word. But. And I think part of the reason why is that you know, if you look at America, where mm. like every oh the kids acting out must be ADHD, and they just get diagnosed with uh, ADHD, and they or not even diagnosed, they just get pot and ritalin sort of like as a first step. Yeah. And part of that is because it's such big business in America. Yeah. And so people, you know, might get influenced by that and go, oh, ADHD is not a thing. You know, you're just it's just an excuse. Totally. Totally. And you can't blame people for that. <clears throat> and I found a similar thing in the UK. Uh, when in the times of my life, I've been suffering from mental health issues and I've been to see my GP and been like, I'm feeling a bit depressed. Their first thing will be like, do you want to try this medication? Mm. Do you want to try these antidepressants? I remember the last time when I was 27, uh, I went and I was like, I'm feeling like pretty down. Yeah. I want some help. And the first thing she said, we can prescribe you sexually mm-hmm. do you want to do that and i was like no i want you to like i want counseling i want i want to figure out what's going on i don't just want to put a plaster on it yeah so i think uh, i think a lot of people are too quick to prescribe drugs yeah i think i need drugs <laughs> like i've tried so many things to a lot of people are too quick to subscribe but i don't get my fucking drugs yeah <laughs> Uh, I've tried so many things to help with this. Yeah. I told you before, like... Well, you were self-medicating before you even know you had it. You were, unbeknownst to you, were self-medicating. Yeah. Um, but even after, like, the period of 
doing drugs, lots of lots of drugs. Um, when trying to get back on track and trying so hard to focus at work. Yeah. The things that I would try, like research loads of different vitamins, try these combination of vitamins and shit. Quick coffee, a quick coffee. For, yeah. I'd, and then drinking more coffee to see if that helps. Going to the gym in the morning, at lunch in the afternoon, what's going to make it better? Vegan diet, uh, just fish, like just all these different things that okay. you read about. And it's like, oh, this can help with your focus. Yeah. Meditation, uh, I've been through periods of my life where I've done it for up to like three months daily, but I always fall out of it. But I would say meditation, if meditation, meditation was the most helpful thing. Yeah. Uh, and if that helped my uh, tricky behaviors 5%, the medication helps about 50%. Okay. Maybe more. Right. Okay, let's, let me rephrase that. If the medication is like 100% help, then the meditation would be about 5%. Okay. Like it's, it's a bit noticeable. Yeah. But then when I first started the meds, I was like, okay, this, I can function like this. Yeah. Uh, I can, I can do it. I can now sit down and I can do the work that's required. Yeah. The most beautiful thing is that I have these creative ideas and I've always had them and I've always known that there's some value in the ideas I have mm. for, for stand-up or for other creative projects or for my day job. Just no follow-through. As soon as the ideas come, it's there, it's in the mind, and then it slips away and dissipates. And there's, all I see is like some shadow of it off in the distance, and I can't get to what it was. Whereas now, I can capture it, and I can do the meat of the work. I can do the boring parts of the project that makes it come to life. And that's been totally life-changing. I can imagine. By the way, I'm selling Ritalin. Uh, <laughs> if anyone wants my number. You know, uh, that's the thing, that people take... People, it's it's a trend like at universities where people they call it the smart drug. People yeah. take it to cram in for revision. People yeah, who aren't yeah. ADHD, they take it to just to focus yeah. for for revision. And I even had uh, a flatmate who uh, used to take it like with other stuff, like to get a buzz out of it. Yeah, you just get fucked up. That's funny, man. Like I remember the first two days I was on it, I got a buzz like similar to ecstasy, and I was like, "This is my life from now on." Yeah, but then it disappeared. Now it's just like. I feel me. I just feel clearer. That's great. You touched upon it, but take the Ritalin aside. Mm. What do you need in your life to like feel like a sense of balance when things are like veering off or are there like staple things that you need to do consistently, whether it be exercise or anything like that, read or what, what your, what's your things? Changes all the time. <laughs> I, I've tried too many times to build a routine. I think, the only thing that's routine about my life is constant change. Okay. Profound. Um, I guess what I mean by that is I've, I've kind of become used to the fact that um, I might have one to-do list app for a couple of months, but then I'll have to change it to another. And then I'll change to a calendar system. Then I'll change to, at one point, I had like a big year calendar taped to my desk so I could literally see it in front of me under my computer um leisure time I might go like right now I'm into doing jigsaw puzzles that's my mindful time before that reading playing games um going for walks but the uh I get really into something for for a while and then the interest goes yeah so there's no constant yeah 
the only constant is that I'm, I'm I need time away from from projects, and that I find that fucking hard, mm. really hard, um, because I can quite easily work on a project that I'm into from nine a.m. to midnight um, and have no respite, and then I think every day I do that. I'm just shifting closer to this cliff edge of exhaustion. I don't even realize I'm getting closer. It's like I'm going to it, but I'm so stuck in the project. I'm not looking around me. <laughs> um, and then so when I fall off, I'm like in recovery for weeks Yeah. Um, because I'm mentally and physically exhausted. So the only balance I try and have is on and off. I think that's it, on and off. And when I'm on, it could be all manner of things that I just described. It could be working on stand-up, working on a script, um, get really into my day job at points. And then off, the bit that I have to force myself with, that's like going out, shaved, big naked baby, lubed up <laughs> from head to toe, yeah, and running from <laughs> truncheon-wielding coppers trying to grab me, but I'm too slippery. <laughs> That's my downtime. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. On and off. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And have you, is there any books that you've read over the years when you did, when you were going through those uh, reading moments yeah. uh, that have sort of had a real impact on you? Books that have had an impact. Every book. <laughs> <laughs> Every book I read changes my opinion of the world. <laughs> Which is a good thing. Uh, yeah, every single book. What did I read last? Oh, The City and the City, another one I read last. Is that fiction? Yeah, yeah. Shit, actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that did nothing for me. Um, but do you mean non-fiction specifically? I think, uh, whatever you, I think whatever comes to mind, yeah, if, there doesn't have to be anything, but yeah, if there's anything that uh, any books, you know, I've got a few books that I read. That I've read that Sapiens that you've got up there. Everyone's read Sapiens, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Every everyone's. It's almost like, it's like oh, I feel a lot things. more clever now. I've read Sapiens. It was like, yeah, but so have I, mate. Yeah, you can't cite anything from that and sound intelligent because nah. the person listening to you would be like, you know exactly. You got that I from. know that was on page seventy six. Yeah. Actually, the neofrontal cortex. Yeah. <laughs> Don't bleed. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, uh, I don't know about that. All right, we can come back to it. It's hard because I think when I'm reading something I enjoy, I go fully into it and I think... Yeah, you hyper... Well, this is the flip side, isn't it, of ADHD. Ooh. One of the superpowers is supposed to be hyper-focusing. So if there's something that you are passionate about or you really enjoy, you just go all in and you mm. block out everything else, all the other distractions in the world. Yeah, I just thought of one. A book I read last year, The Wind-Up Girl. Okay. It's another novel. Fuck me, that was great. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's like apocalyptic future setting. Okay. That's, that's what I love, man. Okay. That's my favorite genre of stuff when everything is destroyed. Uh, yeah, I really love swimming in that world. Okay. I was looking for because I've got one here got by an author called Neil Stevenson. It's been a really good, I can't remember what it's called, a typical ADHD chat. I'll show it to you after. But it's you that remember kind the of author at least. Yeah, that's I what I never remember. remember. We, t together we could make quite a duo. <laughs> I remember the title. Yeah. You remember yeah. the authors. Yeah, we are book boys. Book, book boys. <laughs> Double <laughs> book <fellas>. boys. <laughs> yeah. Fuck me. What a pair. 
So you are you, you've been doing stand up now for what three years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three years, and well, I feel like I'm not even a stand up anymore because lockdown killed and it. Everyone I haven't been on stage for four or five months. Um, so does the, when so when you're on stage, yeah. does stand up give you the adrenaline fix that your ADHD brain requires and needs? Used to, yeah, used to. And why why not so more? Because. Um, I just got used to it. You got used to it. Right? I mean, it's still fun. Does that mean you have to find something even more sort of like adrenaline pumping? Or are you kind of like at a point where, you know what? I figured out my mind. I know kind of the way it works. I don't need to like necessarily do this to fill some kind of, not a hole, but I don't know. If if you're at that point where it doesn't give you the same injection of adrenaline, mm. are you sort of like, okay, well, I'm bored of this or actually... That's fine. I can just continue without needing to have the massive highs and all that sort of stuff. So the meditation, uh, the medication, sorry, helps a lot uh, with leveling out yeah. the emotions, I find. It doesn't dull them. I, I actually feel a lot more when I'm like, I've cried more in the past six months at things than I had in years. Right. Sometimes like just uh, I, I'm watching a TV show, a movie now, and there's an emotional bit and I cry. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck me. That feels good <laughs> because yeah. before I hadn't cried in ages. Right. Um, but with your question, I think I started stand-up when I need, there's a big hole to fill. Okay. And it was, I needed to feel adrenalized. I needed something to fully go into to kind of absorb this, this wavering attention and just, just something needed to be filled. And I think a lot of stand-ups start because of that. Yeah. Since I've been medicated and done a lot of work in therapy and figured out that I have ADHD and done a lot of work in myself, that hole has been filled from within, yeah. um, which is a wonderful feeling. But it's also, um, it's, it's meant that I don't need stand-up anymore. Stand-up for me now is, um, it's, it's something I do rather than something I am, I would say. It's, that's not the thing that keeps me going. Like, uh, <laughs> probably sound like such a knobhead. Like, I'm so happy now. I don't need any of these external things. But I think it's true. A lot of people start these kind of things because there is a hole. Um, and I think some of the best creatives have a hole that can't be filled. And that's what fuels their best work. Mm. I do worry sometimes that now I've filled my hole somewhat from within that my creativity will suffer because what do you talk about when there's no tension within you? <laughs> I'm sounding such a twat because there's still so much fucking tension within me. Exactly, that's it's never going to go. It's just different yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's never going to go. Um, but as you said, like you're, it's, uh, you, it's almost like you're choosing to do it. You know mm. what I mean, you're choosing to do it rather than needing to do it's it. It's been reframed for me. Exactly. And I think it takes some of the pressure off actually mm. uh, and um, lets me have a bit more fun. I feel you get into a bit of a, a bad place around the three-year mark for stand-up, or I did, um, possibly still in still in that space where I've achieved some things and there were some eyes on me, um, and so I feel much less inclined to experiment and go with my gut. Yeah, I feel like I I, I should go with what I've done before that's worked, and I should go with the kind of prescribed uh, path. I should use joke structures that are well-established 
and not try new things because I can't take the risks. Mm. It's a, it's a, feels like a critical period where if these people see you and you, if you try something new and it flops, that you're gone. Uh, I feel like the industry creates that sort of horrible pressure that, um, it turns out a lot of the same people, and I think the geniuses are the ones that um, are totally not afraid of failing mm. um, and just go with it. Uh, look at people like uh, Jordan Brooks, who won the Edinburgh Best Show Award last year, completely breaking the mold. Beautiful, beautiful. I don't know if you saw his show. I didn't know. Wow, incredible. No shoes or socks. Um, no mic walking around the audience it's more like a theatre show mm. and that's why it's so good mm. but that's the stuff he, I'm sure he probably had some scary moments along the way of thinking this is not what well, I would if I, if I allow myself to do those things I have moments of people are watching me fail mm. you know? mm. um, so to summarise uh, I have no idea what your original question was. I think we've moved beyond the original question. <laughs> Fuck me. This is... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we were talking about... Um... Mm-hmm. Is this how normal people communicate? Nah, what's normal, mate? What's normal? <laughs> what's not... Yeah, we were talking about, you know, the need to do stand-up. Yeah. versus wanting to do it yeah, and yeah. the tension uh that arises when you need when you need to do it mm. as, as opposed to like wanting to do it if that makes sense and and yeah. questioning whether that tension will still be there and then moved on to industry expectations and pressures and then how that might affect your material and you saying well you hit the three-year mark and you feel in a way that you need to be a bit more strategic in the way that you perform rather than be experimental and try new stuff and that is mm. causing a bit of totally friction stifling man mm. totally stifling like as soon as the stakes are raised that's what kills or that's what threatens to kill the of course the fun bits of course i'm looking forward to getting back on the stage man when the club's open again and just doing my thing and thinking you know what doesn't matter if i fail mm. <laughs> it's easy to say this now as soon as I'm up there and there's a front row of people staring at me like, I don't know, doing a jig or whatever I'm going <laughs> to planning on doing. Yeah. They're staring at me like, what the fuck is this guy doing? It's not going to be easy in those moments to be like, I'm going to follow my heart. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you work it out. You just like, I think, you know, you just have like in, in, inherent intuition of, of, you know, navigating through that and coming out the other side because what will happen and it did happen with me. I, you know, had the same thing and, just got to a point where you're just going through the motions mm. and you're not getting nervous before a gig because you know exactly, you know, the set inside out, you know where hopefully the laughs are coming from, etc. Yeah. And then I decided to drop it all yeah. and start some new stuff. Uh, sporadically, obviously, ADHD. Yeah. Like I try something, one act, one night, and then I do something completely different. Not at paid gigs, obviously. Mm. These are just sort of like open mics, whatever. And it was a liberating feeling, you know. It was, it was really, it was just it made it fun again. Yeah. It did make it fun again. To be honest. Died I, a few times, but fuck it. Yeah, of course. It's part of it. I got to the point where just before lockdown, in a couple of months before, I got to that point where I knew my sit inside out. I hated doing it because I was so bored of it. Mm. So even at the paid ones, I was turning up and it's, it's just fucking about. It's and, and then feeling awful afterwards, feeling yeah. like I'm supposed to do a job for you. 
and you're paying me. And I've just gone up there and just, st- just stood there and like poured scorn on the audience because I hate myself. Or <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, I hate what I'm doing. Yeah. I hate that I'm here and I'm, I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm not exploring. Yeah. So like I just take it out on them. Yeah, that's not good, man. It's hard to, it's really fucking tricky to kind of be professional about something that is so close to you. Because mm. mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but like most of the stand up I do is, is honest stuff and it comes from feelings. It comes from feelings that are deep within me. That's what inspires most of my stupid bits. Mm. Um, so when I do it, and I'm not getting as much as I want or I'm getting it, but I've done it so many times that it's almost become, I've become numb to what I'm doing. I find it really hard to just be professional and be like, okay, I'm getting paid to do a job here. All this is is a job because to me, it always feels like this is not a job. Mm. This is a process, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is something more. This is like some transcendent shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but it's good to want to experience it in that way mm. if if it was any other way then yeah you you could just be doing anything really if you just if you just looked at it as just a job then why do it true but yeah the balance is hard man i just i can't wait to get back on that stage and just just fuck about yeah just fuck, fuck about, about. So what have you got a uh, have you got a grand vision like if you were to think I know it's difficult with for ADHD people to think about sort of next week let alone the next year but do you have an idea of like where you want to be where you want to get to in the future No okay you're just taking it one day at a time <laughs> one hour at a time yeah yeah no not at all man uh, yeah nothing more to say okay just no oh. yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to ask you one uh, final question that I ask all the guests on the podcast, and you've kind of covered it, but I'm still going to ask it to you anyway. Uh, what does the idea of balance mean to you or not, Joe Hobbs? What does the idea of balance mean? Um, okay, it means, uh, well, it's, balance is important. You've got to have balance to skateboard. <laughs> I, I don't know. I find that question quite hard, man. Do you want me to sort of like explain what I'm referring to when I say it? No. Okay. <laughs> let me uh, let me struggle. Okay. Well, I think I know what you're refer- referring to. You're referring to uh, how what does balance mean in terms of like with all the things you do in your life? How do you stay balanced? And um, and I say or not because you might not believe in that. So. Yeah, you know, feel free to like. I believe in it. I don't think I engage in it that much. Okay. I find it find it tricky to be balanced. I can be balanced for three days at a time, where I like finish my work at six o'clock and then meditate and then have a nice evening where I do something leisure time. But I find that often my projects are also leisure time. If I enjoy doing them, I just want to keep working. So like, I I think balance is so so important to to stay level headed and to um, keep your mental health in check. I'm just not good at it i think that's why i'm struggling to answer is because i feel like whatever i say or whatever i advise would be disingenuous because um i'm not good at it myself fair enough um 
I think I, I look at people who have that balance and I think I'm quite envious. How do you do it? How yeah. the hell do you do it? Yeah. Um, because Give me an example of someone. Uh, I know, is, it, is, is there someone that you look upon, maybe a public figure? Because if I say give me an example of someone, you might say a mate of yours and mm. that's not really, it has any connection. Is there anyone you look upon maybe as a public figure or someone uh, with recognition or something like that you, that you assume to be living a life of balance? Um, I don't know about public figures because I think about the way I present myself to the world outwardly and the way I actually am and it's like there's such a massive disparity. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, I, yeah. I, I do wear my heart on my sleeve and I'm honest, but... Um, Have you got friends then that you I consider? Think, I think my family. Okay. My family, man. Like, I go home, they're a lovely uh, kind of typical working class family uh, they do the job and then they go home and then they chill. Right. My mum will go to work. She comes home. She sticks the TV on or she sits with a book. Sometimes she just sits in silence. What fucking madness is that? <laughs> I'm so envious because it's what peace, what incredible peace. Uh, so yeah, they, 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 they're more, way more balanced than, uh, than I am. And, uh, because I feel like if I'm not doing anything in my leisure time that's productive, it's a waste of time. Mm. Uh, I'm trying very hard to get out of this way of thinking. Yeah, I'm, that's how I think as well. It's ridiculous, isn't it? But I don't know. I'm still, I'm not sure. But look, you definitely so need The message time. of this podcast is overwork. <laughs> overwork. The, you get through your breakdown. It'll be fine. I mean, that's why I started this podcast. Because yeah. I didn't have a sense of balance in my life and I wanted to find out how other people did. And you get people... Yeah, yeah seriously, <laughs> I get advice and tips on how to get my life more balanced. You're getting creatives and stand-ups on here who are the least balanced <laughs> person. I really want to figure out, oh, how do I balance my life? I'm going to be ask surprised. some unhinged comedians. You know what, you'd be surprised. Some people do. Really? Well, the thing is, I guess they all fall in the same category, but some are writers, some are directors. Yeah. Had a, like producers on. So it's within... The range of creativity. Can you pick out like the the most balanced person you think you've had? Well, I don't know if I could do that. Well, because, <laughs> no, not because, a bad thing. It's no, not it's like... not. It's not even that about that. It's that for different people, balance means different things. So, so what? Someone yeah. might be more balanced in one area, and someone else in another. Someone might, let's say, someone might, um, like you're saying, they're quite happy and content just to like after work just watch reality TV, right, mm. and then not feel guilty for it and. They just enjoy it for what it is. Mm. Other person, other people will be like, I need to exercise every day to get me into a state of balance. And, mm. that, and that's what does it for them. But they don't enjoy just sort of vegging out. Yeah. So it's down to individual interpretation. Yeah. I think uh, I'm envious of the people who uh, tune out at the end of the day and mm. watch TV. I'm getting better at it. Yeah. What's your, what's your leisure time? Mm, so recently I've been watching the Murdoch Dynasty documentary on iPlayer. Yeah, that that's just like an individual thing. That's not sort of like downtime in general, I guess. But yeah, I think it is though. I guess no, I guess it is. But You're like, I don't know if you were asking me as a broader, like, what do I do in general? But I'm just giving a recent example. Yeah, I, you know, I love I love documentaries. I love watching documentaries. I yeah. don't watch that many sitcoms mm. much. But I watch a lot. I used to watch a lot more. And this seems to be like a common theme with people that when they start working in comedy, they watch less comedy. Oh yeah, I can't bear it yeah so doc i love documentaries and is that where you uh, learned all your big words um that's no, just to google yeah google google translate what's that <laughs> yeah. 
neocortex. <laughs> yeah. A Matrix character. <laughs> the big, the boss at the end of the... The double neocortex boy. <laughs> Just yeah, completely um, rinse that joke over and over. Um, <laughs> one too many, that was. Uh, okay, Joe, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Where can people find out more about you and what you're up to? In my bin. Okay. <laughs> Just going rifle through my bins and uh, you'll, you'll find Amazon boxes for all manner of crazy shit. Yeah. Throwing um, away Ritalin, empty Ritalin medication yeah, packets. Just, uh, if you want to buy some Rit, knock the door four times, then wait, then knock it four times more, uh, and then uh, <laughs> put your willy through the letterbox and I'll place the pill under the foreskin, uh, fold it back in. And then you take it out. Okay, so very, very clear instructions there from Joe. So, uh, <laughs> anybody is after any written, then you, you know what to do. Uh, if you're a female, um, just knock the door and I'll hand it to you. Okay, yeah, fine, fine. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, well, I, I will add your, your website oh, to this Oh, show you asked me where they find my shit. JoeHobbs.co.uk. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, joehobs.co.uk okay um i haven't even i don't know what you're gonna find on there there's no dates or anything all right um but uh coming soon coming soon some stuff some stuff there we go all right joe come to my address knock the door four times well, we've already I'm, been through that. We've very, been through that. i just want to iterate yeah. a very right. important four times four times okay yeah then leave a gap yeah if it's three or it's five you won't answer the no no that's three four four times yeah you leave a gap four times more uh put your penis through the letterbox we've been through that yeah we know about the penis um, yeah uh i'll put it on your belly <laughs> put it yeah okay fold it under the foreskin under the foreskin um what about for people who have no foreskin what's what happens then um, you just have to balance it. Oh, balance it. Oh. You, you and that is a perfect end <laughs> to the podcast. What does balancing balance mean to you? Uh, balancing a, uh, a penis without foreskin. <laughs> balancing a small pill that will make you do your taxes on time. There we go. Well, Joe Hobbs, it's been a, it's been a delight. And I, I meant that genuinely. Uh, leave the money under the flower pot. Yeah, all right, still going on with this. Okay. <laughs> all right, Joe, thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Joe Hobbs in the building, literally in the building. The first podcast episode for some while where I was speaking to somebody face to face in the flesh. It's very enjoyable. Very enjoyable. I hope you enjoyed that conversation, guys. Uh, a lot of fun chatting to, to Joe. Six foot eight Joe. No need for me to say that. You already know he's six foot eight, but there we go. I've said it now. Could edit it out, but I won't. And news with me is that I'm going away. I am going, I'm going on holiday. I'm risking it. I know it's a big risk with COVID and all that, but there are very cheap deals at the moment. But with that comes a whole load of headaches because I'm going on to booking.com and I'm comparing all these different accommodations. And I, it's very difficult. It's very tricky for me to decide which one to go for. So I spend hours looking at all the reviews. I just get put off by one review. There are stray dogs nearby. Oh, no, no, not a fan of stray dogs. Not a fan of stray dogs. The walls were quite thin. We could hear out the room four doors down. Don't want to hear, don't want to hear the room 
four doors down. Uh, uh, the barman in, by the pool area had an aggressive look on his face. No, do not want to get served drinks from an aggressive looking barman. So I waste hours, absolute hours, uh, comparing a finally book somewhere. But then after I've booked it, I then look for negative reviews of that competition. It's like I'm punishing myself. What am I doing? What, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? What's the point of even going away if you, if you go through this? Anyway, I'm sure it'll be enjoyable. I have a few more podcast chats lined up. So there should be enough to see you through while I'm away. So you can, you know, if you miss my voice, fear not. It will still be out there in the internet realm. And also there's past episodes. You know, why not? Why not listen to some of the older episodes? If you haven't listened to them all, go back. And it's not just about my voice, is it? I mean, it's not about my voice, is it? It's about it's about the guest's voice. And there's some lovely voices and lovely guests. Lovely guests who have lovely voices. So it's all around a perfect combination. Okay. And after that smooth outro, <laughs> we'll leave it there. Thanks as always for listening and for rating and reviewing because I just know that's what you've done. So thank you for that. And uh, for recommending the podcast to your friends as well. You guys are stars. Okay, until next time, see you later. Balancing Acts is made in association with the comedy crowd who support independent comedy creators. They showcase the best new videos on ComedyCrowdTV.com and across media platforms. They support independent comedy creators and showcase the best new videos, including adult animation, sketch shows, web series, viral hits, and lots more. So if you're a creator, then do check them out. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 